Hello, my name is John Bambanek. Welcome to the Death Labs podcast sponsored by NetRich. We talk about all things threat research. I'm your host, John Bambanek, principal threat hunter at NetRich. So for our inaugural program, wanted to bring on Ronnie T, expert in all things business email compromise and its entire genre of cybersecurity threats. So there's a lot of ground that we can cover, both part of a, a group that he founded. I guess I'm a marginal contributor, but that tackles BEC and romance scams and pig butchering research. So there's a, a wide variety of perspectives that uh, he has to share. So welcome to the podcast, Ronnie. Thanks for having me on, John. It's, uh, so, let's talk about BEC and romance scams and all the wonderful, horrible things that uh, that this uh, how this stuff actually works. Yeah, no, and, and and I guess I should mention, right? Principal threat advisor at CoFence, right? Mm-hmm. To to make this you know workplace work friendly time, right? To to give our shout outs to our respective employers. So so talk to me about you know what is what is business email compromise? I'm pig, pig butchering, and why should the, you know, corporate environments and, and CISOs care about it. Yeah, I'll go ahead and get this started on explaining what BEC is and then kind of how, no, I wouldn't say that they're, that pig butchering is directly related, but emotionally they're related to that. Um, so to get kicked off, business email compromise is a type of phishing email that scammers will pretend to be the CEO of a company. They'll send emails to your employees saying, hey, you're in the office and you need to do this urgent wire transfer for me. And then your employees will respond back, be like, well, yes, Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO, I'm happy to go and do that transfer for you. And once they go ahead and actually start initiating that contact, the scammers will provide a bank account to the victims. Then the victims will take $40,000, wire that to that account. And then the company and organization is all up in arms and not knowing why the money got sent out. Um, That's the very basics of how the scam works. And with the scammers who are on the ground in Nigeria, where most of the stuff is located, um, they do a lot of other types of crime, too. On the BEC side, we track uh, direct deposit scams where they'll message, send emails to your human resources department saying, hey, I need you to update my payroll. They'll do invoice scams. Well, they say, hey, I have this invoice that needs to be paid. Can you go ahead and process this transfer for me? And there is dozens and dozens of other flavors of just the business email compromise theme that we've seen. One of the biggest misconceptions is that when it comes to a lot of these types of crime, uh, people don't realize how many other things are related to it. So for the scammers who are in Mm -hmm. Nigeria who are doing this type of BEC scam, they're called Yahoo Boys. So the Yahoo Boys are involved in many, many, many other types of crime. They're doing check fraud. They're doing cryptocurrency scams. They're doing gift card fraud. Um, and then one of the more popular ones they do is romance scams. And the reason that we link business email compromise and romance scams together is because in virtually every case that we have seen on the business email compromise side, where a bank account is used, that bank account is more than likely being used, is more than likely from a romance scam victim. So that's why we kind of loop them all together into one, uh, into one cluster of a mess or a, a dumpster fire, if you will. Because again, it's all related and it's all connected because the scammers are running all of these other types of scams and using that to facilitate a lot of BEC scams that we see here today. No, I mean, absolutely. I think I run into several genres. I, you know, I know I've had clients in real estate transactions, probably not now because of the, the market and interest rates, but people trying to intercept or redirect financial transactions related to real estate closings because that's the largest cash transaction most anybody 
most normal people get involved in, you know, here's the down payment, here's an escrow for whatever to do a house closing. Right. And you redirect it and the money's gone. Yep. And Um, those ones are, and those ones are especially unfortunate because the scammers who are behind, who are mostly do those type of tactics, um, they will usually compromise um, one or both of the accounts and they will of the email accounts and they will lie and wait for that purchase order to come through. And they will either make it to where they give their own purchase order or modify a previous purchase order and say, hey, here's the new bank account. And then what happens is once that escrow money goes out, it becomes very difficult to actually catch that. And by the time it's actually detected, unfortunately, much of that money has already gone to the scammers. And I've heard cases where it's the person's life savings that they went and sent and went to the wrong bank account. And again, that's somebody who's now looking to buy a home who wants to go and just do spend the, the rest of their lives in a new forever home. And the scammers took that opportunity away from them. Um, and the emotional damages, like I would say that's even higher than the than just the financial losses. And that's one of the biggest things people don't realize is just the absolute and utter emotional carnage as it relates to a lot of these scams. It's absolutely horrifying. No, and I think, think you, you, you make a great point. All right? And we're going to circle back around to the, the emotional damage because I think people underestimate its roles in cybersecurity because mm-hmm. we're all technologists, right? We think technology. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I see it every now and then. It's like, when are we going to fix cybersecurity? Well, I mean, the earliest records in our documented history you know, involved, uh, you know, brother killing brother, right? Stealing yep. and, and murder have been part of the, the human equation, you know, essentially since the beginning, um, yep. you know, and we've not solved those uh, and we're not going to. Humanity is, humanity is what it is, right? You know, we just get to deal with the same human misbehavior that's existed for millennia now just enabled by technology, which allows harm over greater distances and greater scale, but it's still more or less the same stuff that it's always yep, been. To, yep. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. So to talk the technical aspects and I kind of, you, you, you mentioned that the lying in wait and reading emails, right. In in the corporate perspective, right. You know, looking for this in, in environments where, you know, you have office 365 and people aren't using personal Gmails. What would you look for to see if this is a problem in your own organization? I think um, one good place to start is email forward rules and trying to identify, okay, what forward rules are set up in your organization? So I know in O365, there's ways that you can do a bulk query and actually export that data. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's important is because if you have an account that's been compromised when the scammers have kind of just been lying, lying and waiting there, um, you can change that email, that password a thousand times and that forward rule is still there. The attackers still have persistence in that email account very similar to the way they have persistence on an infected host. Um, second, also understanding that when it comes to BEC attacks, virtually zero of them are using malware. So our regular detections of our email gateways, it, it flies by them. So you need to understand that you have to look at things from different perspectives. And we have some stuff over here at CoFunds that we, that we look at things from a different perspective in that regard. But I'm not going to go into a sales pitch on this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so it's something where, like I said, you need to understand that when it comes to BEC, there's no malicious links, there's no malicious payloads. So you need to start um, interrogating your data way differently. And again, understanding it from that perspective too. Um, Thirdly, knowing the templates and the formats that they use and how they'll go and they might target, they'll target human resources. They might target people pretending to be the CEO. Make 
rules that look for emails that are coming, quote unquote, from your CEO and their names that actually aren't from their actual email accounts. Mm -hmm. I know that there's times where there are some people in the organization where they'll go and send things from their personal accounts to their corporate account and vice versa. Right. I am one of those people. Every single person has done that. No matter how much we want to go and yell at somebody to not do that, we do it. At the end of the day, we do it because we need to We need to go and send the email just to test stop. So understanding what emails are actually used and making correlated lists to actually track some of that is another way to kind of go, go forward and do that. And then I know everybody screams uh, two-factor authentication, but two-factor authentication, because when it comes to the attacks where they are using them, um, uh, malicious links and through credential phishing or account harvesting, they will go and get the password. And even if the password gets stolen, having that two-factor authentication is that one last check mark, that check mark to ensure, hey, I it was the difference between, hey, we wired $40,000 out and we now have to go and play damage recovery or, phew, that was a closed one. We don't have to worry about that because we had two-factor on enabling all of our accounts. Mm -hmm. Well, Eddie, uh, you, you make an interesting thing. It's like I've used two-factor authentication, you know, just as an early warning system, right? Somebody mm -hmm. successfully authenticated with the password, the MFA challenge just failed. You know, I get pushes to my phone of, uh, in essence, honey email addresses, which means somebody somehow got the password. They're authenticating. I get a push to my phone. It's like, hey, that's a problem. And I've noticed that with a couple of times where I find compromises and just rotate credentials quickly. And, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, I used to travel to, let's just say, countries that are somewhat less than friendly to U.S. citizens, you know, using throwaway emails, but to second factor authentication uh, to push to my real uh, real device and use it to catch that, hey, you know, something got captured when I was traveling, um, you know, and they're trying to authenticate as me to, to do things. It's really just, in essence, a honeypot account. But you can find a lot of interesting things and in just in a security environment, looking at successful password authentications, but MFA timeouts or failures is also can be a good early warning thing. I was going to say, yeah. And I would even go to go to the extent of like creating signatures based on that, because you also have the case of credential harvesting where this password was leaked for this email account and attacker was able to correlate that user back to the corporate email account. And because everybody uses different passwords for every single appliance that they use, um, no one would ever reuse the same password. So making it to where you're also able to detect those things where large credential dump got stolen um, in, in order to detect some of those things too. And I want to say that again, in 0365, I think there's actually an option for the log. And if I, again, don't correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's even, it's a concept of looking for like um, same, it was, um, accepted password failed to factor or I forget the exact wording, but there's actually mm -hmm. things that you can do to alert on that phenomenon happening and kind of say, Hey, this is something weird that's going on. Can we do have some detection to look for to understand what else is going on here? So. Yeah, no, I think you absolutely have a good point. It's like looking at some of the off the beaten path logs, right? Cause people mm -hmm. look, Hey, authentication failure, but even brute force login attempts, eh, it's a brute force who cares. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, but I care about attacks that are mostly successful, but fail at the final mile, right? Because eventually, exactly. you know, there's ways around MFA, right? And mm -hmm. uh, especially SMS-based MFA. But even, uh, you know, there's the uh, MFA as a proxy man in the middle type attacks to even get 
Google Authenticator or Duo or Microsoft Authenticator. Yeah. I don't know. Or, I've got or, or, six different MFA applications on my phone that all the yeah. names are colliding with each other as I'm thinking about it. But yeah, and especially especially knowing that the concept of, of I paid person at this uh, cell phone provider $250 to swap this phone number. Uh, that is something that happens too. So again, yeah, very much on the SIM swapping side. Those are definitely real problems to help bypass two of a. No, right, and 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 yeah, right. It's so it's you know not kind of catching those edge cases before it's all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly, just, exactly. You know, you know, behavioral analytics only gets you so far, right? You know, um, you know, catching things before you need to rely on that. It's defense in depth, really. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. And by having that that in depth approach, it helps you not only get just the onesies twosies, but it also helps you identify other key areas where more things might be going on. And if this one mechanism over here fails, it helps you cover the other the other thing too. Absolutely. So one thing you know, I did want to discuss with you, and, and thought it would be useful to discuss. And one of the reasons I, I specifically wanted you on is is I know my my own career, and several others that that we know is yeah i mean we've got w2 jobs we're working at companies doing the work to protect you know businesses right who can pay our bills and feed our families right which is you know the entry point but a lot of your work research uh certainly when you talk about romance scams and and some other things is really helping people there isn't there isn't really a commercial model you know, to, no, to really individuals isn't. who are, you know, uh, victims of scams. And when we think of cybercrime as an industry, we're focused at the enterprise, maybe SMB, where maybe a single loss is a big dollar amount, but the aggregate harm of cybercrime generally is felt more by individuals, both financially and, and emotionally. And you spend a lot of your research uh, directed at that. So I wanted to, to, to discuss that because I think that's, I think every cybersecurity professional at some level should be doing something to help make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. You know, once, you know, once you're 40 hours or well, who of us actually works a 40 hour (laughs) work week. Right. I remember my first time, my first part-time job, um, you know, but directing some of their personal time to help, you know, the world around them be a little bit better place. So, yeah. So, I mean, how did, how did you, uh, you know, go from, you know, I mean, your career is, you know, Agari and Fishme and, and I, you know, you've, you've been part of that level of expertise for a long time. How did you get into romance scams? How do you, how do you research that? How's that developed in your career? Yeah. So for, so for romance scams, again, just kind of reiterate here, a lot of the way that I got into that was through business email compromise. And we'd identified early on that, in virtually every case we saw a romance scam or every case, virtually every case we saw a BEC fish, the accounts that were used for that tied back to a romance scam victim. So to put that into correlation here, that means that the scammers would have had to cater a relationship with that person, get them to a point where the person was able to create an account for them and then be able to go and wire money on their behalf. And Initially, kind of what got me into it was it was something where it just didn't make sense. And like many of the people who are go, who are going to be listening to this whenever today, tomorrow, whenever, whenever they listen to it, um, we all have this misconception that emotions are things that we just straight up ignore. It's like we don't we pretend that they're not there. 
And it was something where when I was work, working with the romance victims, I, my stigma was these romance victims are stupid. Why are they falling for it? And I kind of started asking myself, what makes something so susceptible and what would make somebody susceptible to kind of understanding that? And as I started unpeeling the layers here, I realized that not only was I wrong, I was ignoring a key aspect of just humanity in and of itself. So what we, I end up finding out, and again, this, I end up having to research as I went through this, my mental health took a dive. I had to start working on things to kind of help with that and everything, because looking at a lot of this material, it's hard. It's really hard and heartbreaking and it, it drains on you. Um, but on the romance scam side, what happens is the scammers will play on the victim's emotions. So what I mean by that is for the victims who will go and go date, they will be trying to find somebody to love in their life. They will be trying to find somebody to go and spend the rest of their life with, and they want to go and be in a relationship. Um, as humans, we will do everything that we can to run away from uncomfortableness, from physical pain sensations, because we're told, again, just that society teaches us here, that any pain or any negative emotion is a bad thing. Um, so for the victims that we see who get pulled into this, many of them were either married or, um, or had a relationship prior to falling to a victim. And what happens is many of them may have lost a loved one. They may have been widowed and they know what they, they know the hurt and understand the hurt that goes along with being a, with uh, being in a relationship and having that taken away. So what we see is the scammers will go and work with those people to say, hey, I'm uh, 62 years old. I'm widowed. I have three kids. I'm just looking for somebody that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And that to a victim who has gone through the trauma and through the emotional hurt is very enticing because, again, it gives them the hope. It gives them the opportunity to look forward to. So your victims will become extremely excited, extremely loving. They'll fall head over heels for this person because again, emotionally they're in a place where they want to just find that hope again and kind of find that love again, if you will. And what happens is because our bodies are meant to be in that natural loving state and meant to be in that almost euphoric state, if you will, having the threat of that being taken away when you identify a victim is very difficult for us to come to terms with. It's something where in our heads, we will go and fantasize about all the times we're going to go and spend with this person. We're going to go and think about the times when we get to go be with them, give them that hug and everything, give them that kiss on the cheek. And again, that's not trying to be demeaning here. That's a hum that's a characteristic, uh, the core of our being as humans. It's like we want that companionship and we want that unconditional love. And for the scammers, they will play on that and kind of keep the victims in that nice and loving state. And then what happens is the victim, the scammers will get to a point where they'll be like, oh, hey, this, I went through this really hard hardship. I need you to go and send $500 so I can get out of the hospital. And now what happens with the victim is they get emotionally distraught where they're like, well, wait, I need this person I want to be in a relationship with. I've had feelings for this person, but they're getting ready to be hurt. I don't want them to be hurt. I don't want them to mm -hmm. be going through this heartache and everything. It's like, why, why would I not send that $500? So 
the victim will go and willingly be like, yes, here's $500 to go and help you out of this and everything. And then the scammers will go and reassure the victims to say, hey, you, you're doing better. You're, it's really good. Thank you for helping me. Oh, this other thing happened. And that begins the cycle for the victims to be emotionally pulled into that. And with the way and from doing the research, looking into yoga, breathwork, mindfulness, meditation, and about two years of research into psychology here, what happens is those beliefs actually get written down to our subconscious. And it's something where we're not consciously aware that that's even a thing. So when that emotion happens, when we're stuck in that state, many people lack the ability to actually be able to consciously like reflect, be like, okay, I feel X or I feel Y and I feel it in this place in my body. That's a skill that I did not have when I went to and started working this stuff. And again, it was very, very difficult working this. A lot of us in the tech side, like I said, we straight up ignore emotions. But again, it's just a sensation in your chest. It's a sensation in your stomach. It's that horrible pit feeling that you feel somewhere above your belly button. Because again, that's a sensation that people will go and feel when something bad is getting ready to happen. And we will do everything that we can to run from that and run from those negative feelings and those negative emotions. And from what I've researched looking with with the romance victims, and I would say just society as a whole, many of us lack that internal reflection, if you will, to actually try and look at things from that perspective. Um, and again, that's how the that's how the romance scams work. Is again, they hundred percent play on those emotions. Mm-hmm. We don't understand how to process them or how to unpack them. Or again, once we have those feelings, what do you do with them? How do you defend against that? Okay, this is a loving feeling. But this person over here is telling me this thing. How do I reflect and respond back to that, if you will? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that that's part of the tricky thing of our, our industry is, is so much vulnerability is tied to emotion that technology mm-hmm. can't solve, right? We're all yeah. very comfortable in technology. We, that, that's why we ended up here, especially people who've been doing it a long time, right? Um, you know, but... You know, the, the human vulnerability in a sense is like, yeah, there's this sense somebody's preying on, you know, a need for companionship after loss, right? Yep. And it's a very real thing. And I'm sure it got much worse for a lot of people in the pandemic. It really know, did. Where, it really did. Because yeah, a lot and, of people were, they were home, they were alone, they wanted to go and have somebody to be with, and they wanted that love and affection. And instead of staying alone at home for hours on end, stuck in the same sequence, it's, People wanted to emotionally go and try and find something else to kind of get them out of that. Right. Which is a very normal and, and mm-hmm. not exactly unhealthy thing to do. And everybody was doing that online two years ago because that's all you mm-hmm. can do. Two, yep. three years ago. How long has the yep. pandemic lasted? <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, and, and 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 certainly see right emotional lures, right? You know, to tie back to the CEO, CEO that, you know, creates a sense of urgency and particularly in organizations where there's maybe not a healthy amount of fear of the CEO. I'm right. going to bet, you know, you've seen it too. I've seen it where, you know, you've got a particularly, uh, let's say not a positive executive, you right. know, the likelihood of a scammer using a CEO lure to get a transaction tends to be more successful because you don't want to tell them no, or, Hey, can I call you on the phone to verify this or whatever? It does. And there's that stigma that, okay, the CEO gets what they want. So yes, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, I had one, I had one case I got pulled into where 
the person was like a year or two fresh out of college and this quote unquote CEO messaged him saying, hey, I need you to go and buy me some gift cards. And because it was his first job, he didn't want to disappoint the CEO. Um, he very much got pulled into it. And $30,000 later, it was something where he wasn't, he was having trouble eating because he didn't have the money to do it because he was using all of his personal money. The quote unquote CEO kept saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and pay you back next week. I'll pay you back next week. Never did. Right. And even in talking with both parties on it, the actual CEO was like, yeah, this person really gave me like weird vibes. And I couldn't really understand why, but like reading through and seeing and understanding it, it's like, yeah, I, I totally get it now. And the animosity of our consciousness in that regard, it's like when we consciously believe one thing is happening, it becomes hard to perceive something else. So even when I was trying to counsel the person out of it and kind of explain it to him, I'm like, no, the picture of this person that you have in your head is different than the actual truth and reality. Like that concept, that concept of consciousness, if you will, it becomes very different for your for your victims. And that's what happens is you have to approach it from a perspective. Okay, they in their head believe that they are actually part of this relationship, but you actually have to walk it and step it backwards, step by step, and bring them back to a point. Be like, no, this is how it's actually working. This is what's going on. Because when you go and actually and are abrasive, like I've seen many YouTubers do. Um, when you're actually abrasive with that, it's like that person mostly shuts down and you get nothing out of them because again, right. you know, it's, there's a, because of the stigmas of the shame, the amount of abuse that goes on. Um, these are emotional abusive relationships that happen and it's something where people need to understand that, Hey, there's a whole lot more that goes on than just the, um, Hey, you were, you sent money. It's yeah. There's so much more going on into that play here, unfortunately. No, I mean, ultimately, yeah. If you're talking romance, right. It's, confronting a betrayal right you know yep. and, and you see a different facets right of mm -hmm. you know i don't know if it's officially called battered woman syndrome or something along those lines same thing right you know mm -hmm. they know they're being hurt they go to the er but they keep going back because they, they 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 believe that you know this person loves them whatever you know they're working through it or whatever fiction is created around it or there's a wide variety of ways that this dynamic manifests and not just in technology right yeah i totally agree and i would say that from a gender perspective it's not just women or men getting involved in it. it's both sides and even like based on like certain fetishes for some for some individuals like i've seen it go that far too so it's not just a, oh this person was only in dating it was i've seen them based on like virtually every single angle of love interest it's like you're a target it's if you're a human and you breathe on this planet you can be you can be you're susceptible to this no i think that's that's absolutely right so you know you know what parting thoughts do you have for people of research right of uh, of, of other our fellow professionals here um you know and you know if they're interested in digging into this other research you know how they can uh, how they can help others yeah, I would, I would say first and foremost, understand that this is way more than just a digital problem. And for me, that was my biggest mistake and regret when tracking the stuff was going into it from a perspective of, okay, I'm a super technical person here. Emotions, yeah, those things aren't there. And uh, it's funny because your body will come back uh, calling and, and like come back and get requests at tenfold when <laughs> you do that. Um, but there's a lot of angles that are at play here. It's, I know we didn't get to cover it, but pig butchering is another side. Mm -hmm. where it's a combination of crypto and investment scams mixed with uh, romance fraud. Um, 
And with those, the, the, the losses that we're seeing on those are extremely high too. So from the business email compromise side, the romance scams that are at play there, as well as the pig butchering side, like we're going to see losses in the billions this year. Like there's no doubt in my mind on that. Um, and it's something where, again, that's something that people need to realize and understand is that there's a whole lot more going on. Um, for people who kind of fell in my wheelhouse of, uh, hey, emotions aren't a thing, um, strongly encourage breathwork and meditation because you never realize you never realize that the mental health is important until it kind of starts to blow itself up. Um, and like I said, that's my biggest piece of advice for anybody listening here is because again, that's learn from my mistakes here. Um, right. And being able to get to a point where you can teach that to the victims. Um, that's something that we really need to, because again, learning to process those emotions, there are ways that we can do that and kind of teach that. But again, it's not really kind of in the public consciousness, if you will, to kind of have that as an approach. Um, the victims are not stupid. Um, many of them are well-educated. Many of them have retirement funds. Many of them went through their entire lives and were able to contribute to society. So knowing that that's a thing, again, being able to contribute is, again, a very, it, it, again, they're not stupid. You wouldn't hire a stupid employee. Um, and then finally, I would say, if you want to help out, just start researching the stuff and understand pig butchering is a thing. Yahoo boys are a thing. Sakawa boys are a thing. There are mm -hmm. scammers all across the world right now. And we do not have a handle on this. We do not have a full scope understanding of this. It's like we can point to dozens of data gaps and data points where this law enforcement agency is missing it here. Local law enforcement misses it here. Private sector, because of the stigmas, isn't tracking over here. So with the losses that we have right now, both of these scams are number one as it is. And with the number one type of scam, you would think that it would be plastered over every single news media outlet due to the emotional damages and the suicides and the murders that we have tied back to this. But unfortunately, ransomware is a thing. Let's go ahead and worry about when a bear farts in Russia or somewhere. Um, so yeah, something right. where we need, we, we need to rethink our priorities here and understand that there's a whole lot more going on. And again, it's people who are being abused to facilitate the crimes that are affecting our corporations and our organizations. And the analogy I like to give on that is, would you go and ignore a, re a registry key inside a piece of malware? You, you wouldn't. So why would you go and ignore the fact that these people are being used as human infrastructure to go and abuse the organizations that we're all trying to protect today? So it's, we need to understand that there's a multifaceted approach here and we need to start thinking in that regard. I absolutely agree, right? And and sometimes even these personal personal feelings, or I mean, people's personal lives bleed into corporate risks as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, you touched upon it, but as a, a government executive where I'm at, and and not to necessarily name the case, but you know, was involved in a romance scam, you know, but cleared person in a position of sensitivity, right? And it was a career-ending prospect for him because the organization had to to limit their their risk profile even though he was a romance victim and a victim of crime himself. Yep. Um, and, that's and that's an unideal outcome, but I mean, at, at its most extreme case, you know, in the right set of circumstances, I mean, you know, that's kind of the mercenary way of HR decisions getting made if you're in those kind of roles. Yeah. And that's very unfortunate because again, like with that person who was again, simply just trying to find love and try and find that relationship because of the emotional damages and everything. It's like, okay, you, you fell for the scam. And because of that, you're now going to lose your job. And again, that's a lot of the stigmas that we have at play here is it's again, being that having that classified role and everything, it's very unfortunate on that. 
And again, it's in the words really, really hard for that. And because of the abuse for the victims, that's a lot of the reason many of them don't come forward, just kind of keep silent on this and kind of keep it to themselves and don't want to come forward. Right. And that, that actually just magnifies the amount of damage, right? You know, the shame of exposure keeps people on the hook a little bit longer. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, and actually on that topic, in our brains, when we feel shame and when we're stuck in that state, there's actually mechanisms that get turned off so that when we try and are able to approach something that changes our perspective, we actually have trouble doing that. So again, from a physiological perspective, there's even pieces of that at play here that's like, no, when the victims are in this stuff, it's actually parts of their actual brain from a mechanical perspective actually get shut off. So again, there's so much more going on here that people just don't realize. No, absolutely. So, um, you know, with with that, we'll wrap up. I mean, it's it's a lot of great co- content there, and obviously, just a wealth of information you have. Generally, uh, I'd like to thank thank you again as Ronnie T, Principal Threat Advisor at CoFence, uh, who is uh, my guest today. You've been listening to the Death Labs uh, podcast, sponsored by NetRich. We talk about all things threat research. Uh, we will have this up on Wednesdays or future episodes on Wednesdays. They'll be available wherever you decide to get your podcasts. So thank you, Ronnie, for joining us and hope the rest of you uh, tune in next time for our next podcast. Thank you very much.